Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm pretty excited. We were doing the math and we're realizing we've been doing this podcast for almost five years, right around 300 episodes. So pretty exciting. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who's been listening along. And, you know, there's a few people that have listened to all the episodes. So thank we're you. We're sorry. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone starts somewhere, right? I think there was some some gold back there. I think there was some learning back then as well. It's still so crazy to me that I think one of, I think we'd agree one of our favorite all-time guests was Dean Golich, and we had him on at like three months in. Yeah, in typical fashion, we recorded that in a coffee shop. But the, the uh, day before right our ahead wedding. Of our wedding, yes. <laughs> we're talking to Dean Golich. So, you know, this is one of those things you got to show up. I was just doing a presentation last night on uh, the business of coaching, right? And sort of being a professional coach. And that's really the idea, right? Sometimes you got to, you got to hustle. You don't want to hustle all the time. You can't go 100% all the time, but you got to hustle. Sometimes you got to go. Well, and I think that's sort of what's why we wanted to record these next two weeks worth of episodes. Today we're interviewing Peter, and next week we're going to interview me. Uh, we actually started our podcast with interviews of each other, uh, you know, way back five years ago. And I think it's it's pretty interesting to think back to the people we were when we started the podcast, maybe compared to the people we are now and, you know neither is necessarily like better or worse. But. Yeah, I guess that would be a, a good self-reflection. Uh, listening to your own voice is always interesting, but I think more to the point, you know, there's a lot of people have joined Consummate Athlete since then, you know, we've built this into, you know, combined it, I guess, with the coaching business as well. Uh, though certainly the articles and so forth on the website have been enhanced certainly since then. So we have a lot of new people who have joined on and maybe just haven't gone back and that's fine. I don't necessarily suggest that you do even, uh, to all of the episodes that are older, but this may be a good time just to reintroduce ourselves and, and where we're at now. And, you know, I, I think there'll be some, some takeaways too, but yeah, that was the idea for this, you know, approximately 300th episode. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, um, you know, we're, we're going to start with Peter and I think I can say five years ago when we started this episode, I, I would say you were in a pretty different place in your life. I mean, you were still coaching and racing, obviously, but I think at that point, racing was still a like, greater priority. I mean, we actually recorded that first episode the week ahead of Sea Otter uh, out in California, and you were racing the short track and the cross-country mountain bike. So I think, you know, like, let's maybe just kind of start with this, where you were five years ago versus where you are now with, you know, coaching primarily, but also with racing, with life. I think... A lot's changed in five years and, and in some ways not a lot's changed. You know, I think most of my days are consumed by bikes. There's maybe a little bit more of trying to keep a little uh, wiener dog from <laughs> going too berserk uh, as a young puppy does. But yeah, the, I think what's changed is honestly, as I've gotten more clients and as I've been coaching more and more, I think, you know, it, it's been a, a steady growth, I guess. And, and I, I guess that's in the business, but I think as there's been more and more people, and I think as we've built Consummate Athlete 
to be maybe more of a community. We're st- it's still a work in process. Hopefully, you know, post COVID we'll be able to build more in-person community as well. Um, I think it's just, you know, it, it's the challenge has been to grow and keep a lot of the things that I believe in, you know, the one-on-one, the personalized stuff and keep that, keep true to that. Right. Cause I do think that's, that's so important. So, you know, it's easy to, when you have five people that you're coaching to know everything about them and remember, you know, whatever birthdays or spouses, birthdays or different things like that. Right. But to have the systems in place so that you can deliver that level of service and customization and, you know, develop that coach athlete relationship to that level. I think that's, that's been the challenge I think over the last few years, I think I've done okay with it, but that's the ongoing, you know, focus. And I mean, okay. So the, the fact is you have gotten five years older since we started the podcast, uh, you know, not to, not to give anything away here, but how do you think that's changed? Well, I think there's maybe a few things. I think work's gotten busier, you know, again, it's been steady, Bill. I've, I've, been a professional coach since I would say about 2007 but obviously the mix of how much time and energy I'm spending on my own training just like there's only so many hours in the day right and and we've gotten married we've had a relationship we now have a dog so all these things add up to like there's only so much that fits in our cup right we've had Greg Lehman on the podcast a couple times talking about his stress cup which we both really like as an analogy there's only so much that goes into everyone has their cup some people are a little bigger cups some people are a little smaller cups and that's that's who we are but you can only take so much. So I think that's, there's a, just, you know, my cup is full. I I'm happy. I don't know if the stress cup's a happy cup, but, um, but there's a mix there. Right. And it doesn't even mean, I think, especially when, you know, I'm doing the exact same thing I've been doing for 20 years. I would say I'm not that good at it. I've just been doing the exact same thing. He's very good at it. Side for, note. For mountain biking, right? Like I've been riding around for about 90 minutes for a long time. So there's a certain efficiency that comes with that both in the training, both in the racing, right? Like, whereas a young athlete's going to start get all distracted about something or, you know, during the race, their tactics aren't maybe as good, you know, skills, their consistency. And then there's the fitness, right? Like I've just, my heart has been doing the same thing. You know, my legs have been doing the same thing. So there's that. I think there's an efficiency, I think, but my training, I think, you know, I've had to definitely, and this is all of, a lot of our listeners will, you know, you only can take so much training, training load, right? And so I think, that comes from both racing and training and I've had to just be careful that you know we don't schedule too many races in it's not that I wouldn't go to a Wyndham or a Sea Otter or any of these bigger races you know I look forward to when we can (laughs) make a trip out of this it's that I pick one or two and I try and do a real good job on that right Mm -hmm. and I think that's actually informed a lot of how you how you work with coaching clients now I mean I know you even when I first met you, you loved working with busy executives and sort of helping them figure out the pieces of the puzzle and how to Well, not work. even executives, just busy people. Like it, this could be a single mom. This could be, you know, any mother, really, let's be honest. Seriously. And, but yeah, executives are, are common, you know, small business owners. I have a bunch of landscapers. Um, you know, I was talking about this on in the, the presentation I did just last night on the business of coaching is it's, there's almost these like grouping of athletes, right? And this is almost an aside, but it's maybe related and there's different challenges that are common to people, right? So your landscapers are out landscaping all day. So, you know, the, they have a common thing where like they're exhausted. So how are you going to deal with that? Right. Single moms, again, whole host of challenges there. How are we going to get the training? And if they want to go dirty, dirty Kansas, right? So there's sort of these buckets of coaches or <laughs> buckets of clients that coaches might have. And, and I think what, as I got older or as I've gotten older and busier, um, 
And I think had some of the responsibilities that those clients have. I mean, we don't have kids, but we do have a puppy. We, you know, we sure. have. We, I mean, we have nieces now. We have families and, and that's increasing. We now have a know. couch instead of a futon. <laughs> we have a couch. Life goals. Yeah, I think what you start realizing is there's only so much time, right? And, and I think w- the only thing shift I've made, some clients do this already because they already had this concert. You know, I'm signing up for Dirty Kanza. You know, that's the thing this year. Some clients do that really well. Other clients are very like, I want to do everything this year. And I think what I've become uh, more insistent on is that we can do all of it, but maybe not this year. And so we need to, again, if if your goal is to do a good job in something like a a big gravel race that's 200 miles and you only have so much room in your stress cup, you know, only so many hours in the day, I'm more insistent that if that's the goal, that then we should focus on that for now, for this block. Right. We, we go and do running adventures, too, but it's not a 90 minute mountain bike race. Right. So often how we're doing this is we're, you know, blocking this till July. I have to focus right. The, at least the month or two ahead of time, I have to focus on mountain biking. And then we might do like an August run or something. Right. Uh, or September. Right. Try and block it out a little bit. So I think that's the idea, like as far as how my training might have informed clients you know a lot of them were smarter than i am in a lot of ways in this you know again because that's the constraints they had in their life so a lot of coaches will kind of shift from doing you know camps and clinics and stuff like that to doing mostly online stuff as they you know get older get more established but you've kind of always prioritized the idea of doing these bike skill sessions whether it's one-on-one or with groups or clinics or anything like that Um, you still do the online obviously um, and, you know, our, our world has expanded with the ease of virtual coaching, but I feel like the, the one-on-one bike skills have always been like super important to you. So why is that still a thing? I think about our business in two sort of buckets, right? There's sort of the, the prescription or training load management, you might call it. And this is, you know, the, the day-to-day workouts that I put in for coaching clients it's mostly on training peaks, right? But this could be anything, you know, Zoom and text and email all augments this. So I have clients in Europe and the US and then around Canada, certainly. Uh, So that's one bucket. And then certainly this other side is, you know, what I would group in with bike skills, but I call it movement too, right? I, I, I try and think about it quite, I guess, holistically if you will but because of kinesiology i I see movement right so i want to know you as a person how you're moving in the gym in your other sports in your day you know what can we draw on you know all the gymnasts i work with are tend to be very easy to work with they're very good at picking up skills Uh, as an example you know your hockey players you know they're able to do their hockey stop you know and so their cornering often is a great thing for them uh, on a bike so that's always been something that's been really curious to me is just how different things transfer. You know, the skateboard ollie is one of my favorites when someone knows how to do the skateboard ollie, which is when they slam the tail of the skateboard down and sort of jump. It's really like that skateboarding, like any trick in skateboarding basically requires an ollie. As like an utterly unathletic kid, this is like such a sad <laughs> thing for me to listen to because I'm just like, oh, I have no transferable no, skills. No, you only have, uh, I'll finish this, sorry, the ollie relates to the bunny hop and cycling because you lift your front wheel up. Just to finish that thought, yeah. Yes, you have interference, which is the other interesting thing, is when you have your Irish dance. Oh, yeah. Which I don't, I don't know. There's some transfer somewhere to it. There you, is You know, agility good. ladder running through rock gardens no, it's, for it's you. It's literally just the calf muscles. That's right. the only thing. So I think, you know, the idea, so this is the other stuff we do. And this is our clinics. This is, I even group, you know, the training camps we do underneath this idea of, you know, 
we could call it bike skills. We could call it movement. You know, this is training to me, right? This is essentially, this is the, in the, you know, trenches training for the sport. And, and I think my frustration, a lot of times when we're only looking at indoors training, I love indoors training. I have my rollers. I just was setting them up. We took a pause here and I'm setting my rollers up to do my indoor workout. I love training. It's part of the training. You know, I'm, I'm fond of this idea of that. The, the indoor training is the batting cage. It's not baseball. So this is another sport analogy. But it's not cycling. No matter what you do, except for esports, it's not cycling. Right? So the bike skills to me are just such an entryway into people's confidence, into their, you know, their their feeling competent. Right? These are all the C words that we talk about. And when we're talking about athlete outcomes, these are some of the biggest things that we take away. People talk about, you know, oh, I want to win the Olympics or the world champions. You know, there's like one Olympic champion, right? And they're probably not going to be Canadian. <laughs> Sorry. Aww, right? Huge slam on Canadians <laughs> out know, of nowhere. You know, not not in the near future. Like, go for it if that's you. But, you know, it's just not in your favor, right? But that doesn't mean if you're a young kid, if you're a master's, that you shouldn't be pursuing some sort of like personal excellence, right? Whatever that means, right? This is, I just was reading a study about ultra running, right? The only reason people ultra run is basically to push themselves mentally and physically. And I was just like, I think that's why most people should be competing in these things, right? Mm -hmm. So with bike skills, like the moment that sticks out for me, and I've had this a few times, it's usually, you know, with a younger female, to be honest, but it, it could be with anyone is this idea of like they finally figure out log hopping, right? And the look on their face, the way their shoulders just like go from like, you know, this sort of like sad that they have to ride around the log every time everyone's doing it to like slam it, just, just going so well over logs, right? And I'm tearing up right now, right? I, I It's just even... It's embarrassing. Talking about it in generalities, right? But when you see that, and I know it sounds maybe, you know, when you hear it, you're like, this is like sort of like, you know, I don't know if it's cliche or what it is, but this idea of someone's full-on confidence changing because they learn to hop a log mm -hmm. right and that to me a mountain biking it's skidding and hopping logs you know or skidding and jumping air when i talk to a kid especially after the race and they look like a bit bummed about the race result i say did you skid and did you get air that's a race you know that's how i still set my own expectations where am i gonna go as friggin big as i can in a off of a jump if there isn't a jump, then I need to find one on the course so I can get air. And then a couple good skids, right? Just skid turns. You got to do it. Every, if I can't do that, I remember I broke my collarbone and I couldn't skid. I, I barely could train, not because of like the collarbone. I could have rode trainer and, for, and then I got back on the road. It was so bad. I don't know. So then to me, it's like when I can share, and I think you can feel that in my voice, hopefully. My, I've gone from a monotone to an I excited. I say, yeah. Right? To me, that is mountain biking that is off-road cycling um i'd love it to be road too but not everyone's <laughs> into air yeah, yeah. air and skids on the road let's maybe let's maybe not do that on so the that's road. that why are bike skills important because that's what the athlete outcomes we're looking for include competence and confidence Very and, nice. and this transfers to life like this is the why this is why anyone should be doing this stuff right mm -hmm. you don't have to ride a bike there's lots of ways to do this you can do this in the gym but that's why bike skills are important, why it's more than just the training's important, but you know, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think there's also just the actually getting to have that FaceTime with clients. And I mean, obviously it's, it's harder and harder to do that right now. Um, and I think it'll come back. I'm confident in that for sure. 
Um, but I think even outside of that, I think we've been doing a decent job of that virtually. I mean, I, I know you've been on Zoom most days talking to different clients, but we also have for consummate athlete clients, we've been doing Friday morning yoga and to see like 10 people turn on video and do video yoga with us has been super, super fun. Yeah, I think that's where our community, you know, I was, I, the Zoom stuff, I've been trying to fight it, but I've, I've accepted it now. Now I'm, I'm not pro Zoom. (laughs) I still need Molly's help sometimes. Um, But yeah, I think that's been really good, right? And some people that it's the accountability is, you know, when, when I'm trying to explain coaching or when clients are, you know, explaining why they got coaching, accountability is one thing, right? And not everyone needs accountability, but for some people, it's like someone's going to look at the workout I did, right? Someone's going to be there. Molly's going to be there every morning or every Friday morning. We're not not every morning, 7 a.m., you know, come to Zoom. And we just, you know, it's, it's nothing fancy. We don't expect you to talk. You don't have to talk. You don't have to turn your video on, but this is the idea, right? It's nothing fancy. There's better stuff, you know? Ouch. It's pretty good. (laughs) But you know, that's one thing, you know, the other thing with, with, this past year in during summer we were actually able to do a lot of one-on-one mostly right but we did some group stuff i talked about i've been using as example a few times with the development team the ontario the provincial team you know we got together and just rode in small groups a few times and honestly i think that's the best development you can do like for these younger athletes a lot of them haven't been mountain biking for over you know more than like riding around in a little race course circle every you know for their weekly practice right Right. And this is not hockey. We should be able to go on adventures. Right. Like this is why we're mountain biking. Right. So to take them out into the forest, you know, a couple of them got flats and part of the COVID stuff is, well, the coaches can't touch anything and you have to have your own tools. And and I'm like, this is the stuff I've been talking about for years. And no one listens to me that you need to know how to fix a flat, carry your own stuff, carry your own food. Yeah. If one thing continues on after this pandemic, please let it be that coaches can't (laughs) fix flats. So A, uh, I tell the story. One of the young women I've coached, she was 14 when I started coaching her. She's, you know, I don't know what she'd be, 24 now. Maybe I should know that, but offhand. Uh, so it's been 10 years. And so she fixed her first flat in the forest on her own completely. I stood there, sort of helped, you know, good <laughs> doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, that looks right. But she did everything, right? Like tube in, inflation, own tools. And she was just like, I've never done that. And again, we're back to this. What is that? That is confidence. That is, you know, I am a competent bike mechanic. I can go into the forest and train on my own for three hours now. Think about that. You know, we're talking about training and you're trying to give someone a three hour workout. Did you think about that? You know, what, how many people are limited by the fact they can't get that far away from their, their local mechanic, right? (laughs) Right. So this is the stuff with coaching. It's not just about the training plan often. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, while we're talking about people you coach, uh, what is it you wish more clients would do? Oh, I don't know. That's for general. (laughs) That's like a clickbait article. 10 things the coach thought he would. Well, first of all, we have that clickbait article. Oh, we'll link probably, to it in the yeah, show notes. I've probably written it somewhere. We 100% do. Um, I was thinking more in terms of... You know who's really good for that is Chris Mayhew. I don't even know. His Twitter handle changes every day. But Coach Chris, he he writes articles for Cyclocross Magazine. Those would still be up. He's got some great things in there too. Uh, but he always will post random uh, articles about stuff like that too. Or, or even just like tweets. Some good tweets. 
I was thinking about comp. <laughs> I was thinking about comments, but okay. Okay. You took that in a weird direction. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's a good one, and, and that's a constant fight. The the comments, the the training log, right? Again, this could be Molly's coach. David uses uh, they use like a live, not Excel, but Google Docs type thing, right? And it's built in a spreadsheet, the training plan, right? So he writes it, Molly puts it in, and that works great. I think more coaches should actually start there because that's a very a easy to get started, cheap to get started, and B. I think really drives home the prescription and just like it's just easy to see it in front of you. That's certainly how I started. Definitely trickier with bike stuff now, obviously, with, you know, workouts and all that. But yeah, but it depends so much. I think people overthink the training data. I think you're right. Cycling has it. So you should collect it. Fair. But you can share stuff. You know, you could share a Strava account. You could share um a Google Doc or, or a Google Drive thing, right? I'm not going to set this up for people. They can book a phone consult if they want me to build their business. www.constantathlete.com backslash book a Where was I going with that? So this Comments. Right, right. So the important thing, though, is the comments, right? And this is the... the I, could, I like to talk about telling a story, right? And, and so the challenge with people is to bi- start building a, a relationship where you're communicating and exp- talking about the workout. In a great world, you know, a daily coaching, I would call this, you know, we're texting maybe, we're maybe on the phone frequently. Uh, You're maybe one-on-one face-to-face training in a training group or something, right? So sometimes this is redundant, but reflecting on your training is important because, you know, what did you try? Why did you try that? Where did you try that? Who were you training with? You know, where did you train, I guess? Uh, How many watts did you push? How many intervals did you do? You know, and these are the, this is the telling story. I always say in grade four, I had this great teacher who just like really set, you know, sort of the course. I think I credit her with a lot of the things I do business wise and education, the things I did. She was just great. And one of the things I credit her with, which is probably not when I actually learned this, but in grade four, how to tell a story, right? It's just this who, what, where, why, when, how, how many, how much, why. And that's what I try and get clients to do, right? And so there's different tools, you know, technology has helped a little bit with this Siri. You can use your Siri to put this in, but that's, that's definitely like taking ownership and that reflection. And the way I try and I've been really focused during COVID to try and just like positively reinforce when someone puts some thought into their comments, you know, not just Zwift failed or my Garmin heart rate didn't work today. That's not a comment. That's maybe an aside, but like, how did you feel? Where did you do this? Who were you training with? Why did you choose to do that? What that informs is, A, I might tweak the workout next week, you know, or we might discuss the workout. Or next week, you might set a plan to, oh, I was tired for the fourth interval. You know, I faded. Next week, I'm going to try and do better, right? Or, or, you know, I felt like I could go harder this week. Or, you know, that hill didn't work that well. Or I need to remember this hill for next time, right? And these are the reflections in a training log, even if you're coaching yourself, right, that are just the returns over time on that reflection are just so big, right? So mm-hmm. if, if that was, I think you're right. That's a great idea. Comments. All right. And then the other thing I wanted to ask is if you think back to, I mean, 20 years ago when you started coaching versus the coach you are now, is there anything that you used to believe to be true that you like no longer subscribe to Well, I was 16 when I got my first coaching uh, certification. I got the Ontario Mountain Bikes Instructors Certificate. No longer in existence. No, but it was a great course. I still think about it a lot. But anyhow, the so I started coaching. But, you know, I was 16. I was a teenager, right? So I hadn't gone through my 20s. You know, I'm working on the 30s right now. 
So just different, right? Different relationship styles. But I think that from a coaching perspective, I think the biggest thing is when you start, you think that everything fits into, you know, the ombi framework, right? So whatever they do is, is just gospel, right? And then you read a Joe Friel book and you think, okay, if I just build people this training program that follow, you know, increases volume every week and includes only tempo and base two, you know, it'll work perfectly. For, everyone can be an Olympian. Yeah. So there's a lot of coaches that just like they have one framework and they just work with that. Right. And I would say if I have a, I don't know if it's a gift, but I think something that my brain works really well around is like, I can draw you out a Joe Friel styled. I'll call it a Joe Friel, at least in my head. It's not just a Joe Friel thing, but a Joe Friel training plan. I can draw you out the CTS one. If you're <laughs> a Carmichael person, like the one that you'd find. Like, Sorry, I laughed of. there. <laughs> Um, the one you'd find like in the back of like a bicycling magazine. Like. Yeah, for sure. And I just, I, I can, you know, at least envision, you know, I, I bucket things like, a, a, you know, what I would imagine Steve Neal would do or, or Dan Pruel or Joe Friel or any of these coaches that I have been influenced by, right? I can pretty much draw you out like what their framework would. And I think one of my, I, I'll call it a gift, but I, I think one of the skills I've honed is, is this ability to take, okay, this framework should work pretty well here. And then modify that based on the confines of the busy person I'm working with, right? The real person that I'm working with, right? You know, busy can be a bad word, but the real life that I'm dealing with in front of me, how will that resonate? You know, everyone has their own polarized or sweet spot, you know, the the, the system they might identify with or the intensity, at least, you know, the t- training stuff they like to do. Everyone has their favorite intervals is one of my questions I ask people on the intake forum. So I think what I've become more and more attuned to is that, you know, there is no perfect training plan, right? It's, it's how you interact. This is why we're talking about the comments with people, right? Um, you know, why we're, you know, really our book that we came out with was a lot of this stuff coming together that it's everything really but the training program. We talk about training in the book, but it's, you know, well, th- if this person's downing a bottle of wine every night, then your Joe Friel training program that you're applying is not, you know, probably not going to move things super well, right? If we're, try- if we're talking about aerobic gains and they're just eating, you know, junk food candy for every meal, right? You know, you, you're not building, you know, this is not great for mitochondria development. Well, right? and I think you actually reminded me of that last week when I was asking you just sort of like out of my own curiosity a bit about like basal metabolic rate, just kind of clarifying a point that I had and you like I was talking about myself and I was like of course I'm a very active person and you're like well actually you're not like right I'm a very active person in that I do my prescribed training and I do my morning yoga and you know walk throughout the day and everything but I don't have an active job I sit and I type yeah I think if you want to scare yourself you can look at some of this stuff about like the uh, there's a phrase for it and I'm going to forget it but it's something in the like active um inactive or active I can't say that word, but my pronunciation is horrible. Sed- sedentary. Sedentary. <laughs> oh dear. There you go. Um, but this idea that like you could be and say an Ironman athlete, even that's maybe an extreme example. Cause some of them are just like active all day, but you could train even for four hours a day and then just basically be on bed rest. Right. This is the reality, right? We're all like glued to Netflix, staring at a screen and so what are the effects? Like, can you offset? This is the debate we're having in, in science right now is, you know, can you offset 23 hours of inactivity with one hour of even like high intensity, right? And that's not clear, right? The effect on your blood vessels, if they, they aren't getting continuous, right? Your muscles, if they're not getting continuous stimulation. Mm-hmm. It actually reminds me of like being at some of the training camps that we've been on, like the, the amount of, yeah, like the 
athletes hanging out watching TV or like in kind of a more comical, like the athletes decide they're going to go on like a hike or something and then they're wrecked, wrecked yeah. the next day. Yeah. Yeah. And then like you feel bad as the coach because you took, the, you know, I thought this was going to be a fun adventure, you know, consummate athlete and so forth. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, that's that's really the idea, right? With our book too, is you know, with these busy lifestyles, it sort of occurred to me that these were places that we needed to make wins, right? Because we can't train anymore, right? There's only that one hour in the day. So what do you? How many levers? You can't just keep sweet spotting. You know what? What happens when you're sweet spotting already for your eight hours of training a week? Right? What do you do? Right? And the answer is nutrition. The answer is sleep. The answer is I think socialization, so that we have happy athletes. Um, you know, there's all these things, right? And then there's the activity during the day, right? So this mm-hmm. is something that we're big on is like, how do we make life harder, right? Can we, there's the classic, you know, park further away, commute to work, you know, walk with your family, walk on your meetings, you know, we're all on Zoom stuff. Now getting ready for my presentations this week, you know, I'm just on the treadmill talking to myself and Molly's laughing at me downstairs, but, you know, trying to get steps in, mm-hmm. right? You know, and this is, this is the struggle, I think, right? And there's lots of artificial and there's all lots of natural ways, but this is again, what our book becoming consummate athlete is trying to pull all these things around organization around these other 23 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, okay. So on that note, um, is there any like one or two things that you've gotten in the last couple of years that have really like made a difference in terms of the, the healthier lifestyle? These are like gadgets and like gizmos. gadgets and gizmos. Yeah. I feel like I keep thinking of the answers I want you to say or that I feel like you would say. Well, this is the thing in life where your wife starts like... We should play the dating game on the, here yeah, where yeah. I just do the interview what, what would for you. you and... Or like, yeah, where is my cup? <laughs> Molly, where did I put this? You know, a few things come to mind. Uh, I, I didn't think fat biking was going to be such a big... I don't actually have a fat bike. I use uh, a good friends actually most of the time, but I also have a, a plus bike right now. And those things, you know, we're at home in the winter. Uh, we're not traveling right now, so... I am just like a, con- a convert. So that, that's that been one thing I think that I've, I've really enjoyed. I'm trying to think of other things that really, what do you, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say the pull-up bar is a big one. I Door frame pull-up bar. That's really helped. We had it in stock, but that during COVID that's been big. We've had that thing. For, it was 20 bucks. We've had it for six years now, I think. And it's moved <laughs> with us several times. That thing is bomb proof. Yeah. And I went through, we had Dan John on, uh, which was a peak episode for me. Uh, so happy to have him on. And he has a program called Easy Strength, which I really, really, really like. Uh, a lot of clients have gone through that once or twice even during COVID in different forms. And so like following that program, yeah, I went like really boosted my pull-ups in this last, that was sort of pre-Christmas. I did that last block, but yeah, like never have I been so good at pull-ups and that's mm-hmm. just the door frame to our bed, bedroom, right? Yeah. So the that's other, a good one. Door frame. What else? Uh, the instant pot, which you did not want to get. You were so really grumpy. hate adding things to life. So grumpy when I brought it into the house. Gadgets. No, it's a no brainer. Yeah. It slow cooks and it, it cooks really quick. I, I think I like that you don't need to prepare, right? Mm-hmm. So what these cliche, like cook your quinoa beforehand. This is like, I get home, we have a frozen chicken in the freezer. It is three pounds of frozen chicken. And that thing can be ready. I don't know what that actually like takes. It's a frozen up. block ice. So, I mean, it takes a while to get heated up, but not like that could be sub two hours, right? And it's like a roasted chicken that tastes really good every time with zero effort. So if you haven't tried a, a, a Instant Pot, just fantastic. Yeah, I would agree that that's, that's a big one. I try to think of like more cycling. I mean, good gloves, you know, so you can ride in any weather I think is important. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty. I think those are your big ones. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, the food prep. Yeah, I don't know. I just got a Chemex. You got me a Chemex. Who got me a Chemex? Your parents did mm-hmm. for Christmas. Uh, and I don't know, something about that. I, I've resisted getting that for so long, but it's just a good size and a nice pour over coffee with that has been really, really nice. I have far too many coffee accessories, though. It's ridiculous. But I would say that's, you know, it's some of this, what occurs to me during COVID, especially this last year, is some of this process and just it, it, like that's not the fastest way to make coffee. I wouldn't say it's even my favorite way to make coffee, but it, there's a process to it. And I think some of these things where you just, you know, that you could call this being present, right? But some of these things that are with us, right, that are just, there's some sort of like process or routine you have to go through. I think those are some of the things that, you know, are nice to have and, and well, and you talk about this actually in to. becoming a consummate athlete in the chapter we have on meditation, because like I do an actual meditation every day and you do more just like pockets of time where you're sort of practicing, just quieting your mind. Yeah, and... I'm fond of sitting quiet, quietly. Well, and I think the Chemex, like pouring the water over it, like that kind of stuff is your moments of quiet. And... I think so. Cause there's a bit of a like pouring and there's that thing with the, is it sand or something you pour or something yeah. like that? Yeah, the pour over. If you you know re- you can look this up on YouTube now, and you know there's a, there is a, a technique to pouring it nicely, and you get what they call the bloom of the coffee grinds. You know, and as opposed to my just like dump the water on and like <laughs> yeah, walk Molly, away. Molly just drowns it. Water's going over the top of the filter. Probably fine. done. Yeah, no, I think that's you know, and that could be matcha tea. I've tried. I don't. It doesn't do as much for me. Uh, but some people love tea. Some people, you know, this could be lots of different things snow shoveling right now <laughs> is another one yeah i don't know i probably struck out on that question i guess but that's those are some ideas i guess of gadgets and gizmos yeah, that's a good one all right well before we wrap up let everyone know where they can find you yeah i'm at at peter glassford on uh, instagram and twitter i try not to i'm not on any of this new stuff too much uh you know certainly linkedin you can connect we're at consummate athlete.com so there's articles on there i'm trying to write more uh for the site as well in the new year that was one of my resolutions to get you know more uh you know make sure our our site has some of this like more technical stuff maybe um or just rambling articles as i am fond of writing ditto well and I, i think like as we move on with you know we've combined kind of all of our stuff our writing coaching the podcast into consummateathlete.com so it's sort of an ever evolving thing so if there's something you want to see make sure you get in touch we're pretty easy to find and yeah we love hearing from from everyone and if you want more episodes on certain topics just keep us posted all right thanks so much for tuning in and next week peter is going to be interviewing me so it's probably gonna get weird thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast if you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts And check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram, at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.